Everybody and welcome to another episode of the Petrolhead Podcast. I'm Kyle Mayer. I'm Chaz Logue. And this podcast is brought to you by Petrolhead Cafe, a soon-to-be-launching bar and restaurant concept based in the Hartford area of Connecticut. This podcast is also brought to you by Bison Track Leathers, proprietors of custom-made leather tracksuits for motorcycles, whether you're racing at the club level or professional level, or you're just hooning around on a track day, Bison Leathers can hook you up with a custom-sized, custom-designed tracksuit built exactly the way you want it. So check them out at bisontrack.com. All right, everybody. At this time, I would like to welcome our guest for this episode, industrial artist Taryn Nysik. Hello. Welcome. Thank you for uh, joining us. Thank you for having me. So yeah, tell us a little bit about uh, your background as an, an industrial artist, how you got into it, um, and especially, especially as it pertains to um, motorcycles. Yeah. Um, so the motorcycles, excuse me, came later in uh, life. Um, but my dad had old cars. So I was surrounded by old, shitty cars my entire childhood along with other, you know, heavy machinery and whatnot. And uh, I think when I was 18 or 20, I'm 31 now, I brought home a really crappy motorcycle. Um, Everybody told me I was blind. And um, from there, I kind of just picked up more, worked on more stuff. They all started out as Hondas, a lot of CBs, a lot of cafe racers. Um, And then I kind of moved into the British zone. And that's when the triumphs came about, BSAs, um, AJS, what else? Jawa, stuff like that. So Okay. So where where are you from originally? Uh Connecticut. Okay. So are you still living in the same area in which you grew up? Uh for the most part, yeah. I, I do a lot of traveling. Um, but this is kind of home base for me. It's it's where I keep all my stuff and you know come back to after wherever I've been mm-hmm. but, uh, so you are a um, I mean you obviously have your work but it it's um, I mean how did so how did like how has your kind of career as an artist developed and how did you really kind of decide and come to the conclusion like okay this is something that I want to do maybe for a living like I want to put more time and effort into it and, you know, now you have, you know, of course, I, I think, um, you know, we're all around the same age, early 30s. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, back when we were 18, there wasn't really Instagram, or at least it wasn't really a thing. I mean, yeah. Twitter was still like a little baby app that was just, you know, getting going and all that stuff. So, um, you know, but you have a, a sizable following on Instagram. And, um, you know, you do a lot of traveling. Um, you know, I follow you on Instagram. And you're kind of here, there and everywhere, picking up bikes, dropping them off, doing this, doing that. So how did, how did that, that evolve and develop over the last 10 to 12 years? Yeah, no, I mean, it's been crazy and it it really has to do with um, just meeting the right people at the right time. I, I, every day when I'm working on these things, I kind of ask myself like, how the, 
I, I don't know how you guys are about uh, language, but um, you know, how, how the you, hell is you, that? You're, you're, free, you're free to say whatever. <laughs> I, with all the people I work around, it's kind of like a free for all, but um, no, every day when I'm out there working it's or whatever I'm doing, it's like, how the hell did I get involved in this? You know? Um, but yeah, it's, it's a lot of meeting the right people at the right time, the right places. Uh, I think the biggest, the biggest takeoff for me was when I was out in Venice, California for a significant amount of time doing mm. some work out there. And uh, I needed an Airbnb for uh, a, a lengthy time. Um, so I would, it, the app was new at the time. And uh, I saw a picture of this guy with a bunch of vintage motorcycles he was a racer, whatever. And I was like, oh, this guy looks nice. I don't care too much about the house. Motorcycles are cool. Um, so I clicked on him, stayed there. And it was Larry of New York City Motorcycles. And uh, Oh, okay. Like yeah. the guy? Yeah, the guy. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. He's, I can't, it's so funny. I kind of chuckle at the fact that he's New York City Motorcycles, but he's not in New York City anymore. Yeah, yeah no. So, uh he was out living in Venice. Um, I'm not quite sure how long he'd been out there um, before moving from New York, but um, he had, you know, all the Kawasaki H2s, Triumphs, uh, man, he, he had a shitload of everything. And it, it was just such a wild time with him. And um, mm. that's really what kicked it off. You know, I, I watched what he was doing. We went to, they don't host the event anymore, but um what was it called whatever anyway it was a big motorcycle event and um we drove out there together he had his airstream with his trailer his laverta motorcycle um and uh hell of a time and that's kind of just what kicked it off you know it's like he had the beautiful california scenery in the background and just the company and the the bikes and it was like shit this is i want to keep doing this mm -hmm. so i ended up buying his 1970 BSA Starfire. And he drove it from Venice, California to here in uh, Connecticut. And wow, that was a hell of a ride. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but it, it was traveling alongside Team Obsolete's uh, bike called Goliath, um, which I believe they used for racing. So okay. Yeah, that's really cool. I only know New York City motorcycles through Instagram. So yeah. when you when you decided that this is what you wanted to do, what were you thinking kind of job-wise, right? So, you know, you were doing a lot of things with these vintage motorcycles, going on cruises, great background and everything. But then what was kind of your vision of, okay, I'm going to turn this into a living? I still don't see it as a living. You know, okay. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of, um, you know, finding, repairing fixing i do some selling but for the most part i i just i repair them and i keep them okay um, hmm. I, I i did the selling part for a little while but people are just crazy you know when it comes to finding the right person for you know a vintage bike they've they've got to understand it, it can't be your first bike i mean it can hmm. it's hard to explain it can be but you've got to be in you've got to be ready to work on it you know it's not right. gonna, and you're just gonna hop on and go down 95 on every day it's not your, it's not your daily rider um right. you're gonna constantly be working on it you know it, mm -hmm. it's really ride wrench repeat 
um, yeah no matter what you're on you know right there isn't there a saying like when should you buy a vintage motorcycle when you're yeah. ready to be a mechanic right right yeah something like that but yeah. um you, you get a lot of people who think it'd be a great first bike and it's like it's so far from you know it yeah. should be your last bike Stay, steer clear of them that's my suggestion <laughs> never buy a vintage bike yeah so yeah but, i mean my first bike i still have it and um i bought it like 10 years ago and i purposely looked for a bike that had electronic fuel injection just because i didn't want to fuss around with carburetors at all i mean yeah. you know newer carburetors are okay but like i was i was just trying to avoid them altogether. once you get the hang of it not that bad you know it's whatever you get used to you know, when I get on a bike, that's just turn the key and push start. I lose interest. You know, I want to mm. have to kick it numerous times or tinker with it, you know, really, you know, make it feel like it's a whole job all to do. Right. I don't know. I like to suffer, I guess. <laughs> so, I mean, but the end, the end of your labor must be satisfying though, when you, when you can get on it and it does function as you yeah. intended. Absolutely. I mean, that's the best part. I mean, as soon as you bring home a bike and people have said, you know, the thing hasn't ran since 19, you know, 50, 60, whatever, um, to get a solid spark and good compression. And, and then you hear it pop and you know, it wants to run. It's like your night is done. You're all set. You're like, all right, I can go to sleep now. And then tomorrow or whenever, you know, you, you wrap it up. Right. But, uh, yeah. So are you primarily just all self-taught and all that stuff? No, my, my dad's, uh, he's an engineer and mm. he, I mean, he's guided me a lot. You know, when I have questions, instead of going to YouTube, I, I go to him and, uh, you know, he has some bizarre techniques that I I've taken on, but, um, it's not always the right way to go, but it's functional, you know? Yeah. You're not always buying 200, $300 parts if you can fabricate it yourself. Right. So, you know, I'm, I'm lucky to have him around because honestly, if I didn't, I, I don't think I'd be, uh, I don't think I'd be doing this, mm -hmm. you know, or at least doing it as, as well as I can. Right. So no, he's, he's been a huge part. Okay. What about the lows? Like something that's happened and it made you kind of question if you should continue with this, like any, anything come to mind when I say that? Not really. I mean, you know, it, it's, so many, so many positive people in the community, the uh, motorcycle community. Uh, the, it, it's, I, I can't think of anything, you know, that's really turned me away or wanted me to walk away from it. If anything, you know, the more I meet people, the more shows I go to, it's like, you just want to keep going back and, you know, pursuing it. So fortunately, I, I can't think of any, anything that's really, you know, want to shoot me down. Yeah, mm. that's good. That's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I mean, it's an excellent thing. It's, it's, you know, something's like, you know, how the hell did this happen? This is too good to be true. But, mm -hmm. Yeah, and no, I lucked out. So can you share with us some of your either influential or uh, memorable shows, either, you know, positive or, or negative? I mean, we love sharing stories on the podcast. Well, definitely the, uh, the Larry one, the Airbnb, uh, the kickoff. Okay. I, there's so many freaking things. Maybe we can narrow it down in some way. I mean, I have some specific shows that I, I, I know about. Um, you know, I know you went to the, um, what is it? Like the, the Audrain Museum, uh, yeah. the car show recently. 
Go ahead. What were you, you going to say? Oh, I was going to say I saw the picture of you and Jay Leno and I was super jealous. I was just like, <laughs> oh, man. No, it, I had that moment when I was when I saw it. And I was like, oh, that was today. Oh, man. <laughs> like, I barely I don't think I heard about it. And I, I you know, missed out on it last year. And, okay. uh, you know, or maybe even 2019. I don't even know if it did happen last year, but I missed out on the last one. And I didn't really, you know, take an active role in, in finding out if it was happening again. But, you know, I mean, when I was a kid, like my dream was to be enough of a somebody to, to land myself on The Tonight Show. And, um, you know, I was like, oh, maybe if I can grow up and cure cancer, maybe I'll get on The Tonight Show and I can, can hang out with Jay Leno. So, yeah, tell, tell us about the um, I don't know, even know what the title of it of it was. Audrain Motorcycle, not Motorcycle, Car Show, Automobile Club Show. Yeah, it's close to that. I actually have the thing right in front of me here. It's probably going to be backwards if I show you, but um, the, it was the Motor Week, the Audrain mm. Motor Week. Yeah. Nice. Um, but that was that was a few weeks ago or a month ago, something like that. Um, so the whole thing with Newport, which is where it took place, is I used to do glass blowing about, well, well over, not well over, but a little over 10 years ago, I used to do glass blowing in Newport. And um, that's where Audrain is based out of. They're up on Bellevue. And uh, I have a place over in Newport that I've kept. And um, they host this motor week almost every year. Like I said, I think last year they skipped out of on it 2020. But um, this year it was, it's, it's amazing. I mean, all the cars that show up to this, I mean, new, old, you, you get like every make and model, um, no motorcycles, which I'm, I'm bummed about, but um, yeah, no, Jay was there and he, he was the uh, host. He was uh, doing a East coast versus West coast, you know, where is it better to collect? Mm. And uh, no, it was, it was really interesting and just an overall nice guy. Uh, great head yeah. of hair. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm very jealous. I wish my hair would go white. It'd be easier to, to color. But um, yeah, was no, he the, was. Um, was that the show that I think they had some of the uh, formulas, formula cars from McLaren, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, a friend of mine was at that. He's, he's got a, a new Ford GT uh, that oh. he had on display. There was, it was silver with black stripes and some orange accents. Okay. But uh, yeah, because I saw a picture with him and Jay Leno. I think Zach Brown, the the um, CEO of McLaren, was there as well. Yeah, um, no, it's, it's a huge, event. huge event, huge yeah, event uh, right great. now. Um, they they start over, I believe they start over in Fort Adams, um, in in Newport, and they do a whole roundabout with the cars, and then they park them up on Bellevue, and you could just, you know, they've got Auburns and you know every car that you can think of. You know, and it's just, it's a great time, you know, mm. nice people and everything. What were some of the things that, uh, that Jay was saying about collecting cars on the East coast versus West coast? I'm, I'm curious as to what, what he was saying about that. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What was he saying? Um, primarily he was talking about, you know, the cost of cars, mm. you know, it's less expensive, over here, you know, on the East Coast, and you know, stuff is wildly expensive over on the West. Um, obviously, weather conditions come into play too. You know, nice dry mm-hmm. heat out there, and uh, over here, you get the nice salt air. You know, rust and whatever. Um, and then you have a shorter season too. You know, once salt mm-hmm. and snow and whatever hits the road here in, in the 
Northeast New England, um, you know, your season's kind of shot more or less. Um, but yeah, you know, it was along the lines of, you know, the cost of cars and, you know, weather conditions, stuff like that. Um, probably other stuff too. It, it was a good time. It was like, it was about an hour or so or two hours or whatever it was, but, um, yeah. Okay. Um, and then what was the, uh, what was the British Iron Association show? I didn't I'd get to go to that. Unfortunately, I had wanted to stop by, but uh, I, I didn't get to attend. Yeah, the, um, I, I love that one. That's my favorite one, actually. Uh, that's over in Haddam Neck, Connecticut. And that was back in August. I, I, I go every year, um, at least for the past eight years or so. Um, but hundreds of bikes, hundreds of people, and uh, they always have a door prize. I think this year it was a 70, 77 Triumph Bonneville 750. Um, but I trailered over eight bikes. You know, that's the biggest outing for any of my motorcycles. So, you know, when that, when that event hits, it's like you load up everything. It mm. was a beautiful day. So, yeah. How about are people, is it mostly people from Connecticut or do people come from out of state? Um, you get a lot of people from um, surrounding states, you know, Massachusetts, Connecticut. Connecticut is obviously a big one. It's put on by the Connecticut uh, British Iron Society or Association, whatever, whatever they are. Mm -hmm. um, BIA, uh, Rhode Island, you know, it's a good show. I mean, they've got Vincent's and they've got, you know, Douglas and Pope and, you know, all these crazy bikes from the early 1900s. And, you know, I show up with my... 50s 60s model stuff and you know you try your best to win but you just can't compete with some of the <laughs> you know wild you know expensive pristine stuff you know you got people polishing their bikes and I'm over there like just trying to get mine started so <laughs> it, it's a fun contrast you know I think that there's got to be an award for the person who tries the hardest to kick their bike you know <laughs> so that, that's uh that's gonna be my suggestion next year Okay. What attracts you to the, the British bikes over the the Japanese bikes? I know you said you started with a lot of the, the older vintage Japanese, but you're you're you kind of found your way to the to the British bikes and that's kind of where your heart is. Yeah. Um I don't know. I I think it was just what was available on the market at the time. And when I started, you know, Hondas were everywhere and they were priced relatively low. So you could pick up a good CB project or a CL project for a couple hundred bucks, you know, and, and try your hand at it, see what you could do, see what you could fuck up, see what you can, you know, get started. Uh, and then, you know, I met some people up in Vermont, uh, Vintage Steel. Uh, they were out of Brattleboro at the time. Um, and I picked through their garage and I just found more triumphs and, you know, then a BMW came along and a Jawa and BSAs. So everything kind of turned from, you know, Japanese Yamahas and Hondas and Suzukis into, you know, Brit shit <laughs> that likes to leak everywhere. So, yeah. Yeah. Have you ever worked on, aren't there motorcycles from like long, long time ago that basically they don't recycle the oil? Like it, it just kind of like, leaks out Certainly. and you just have to keep refill it yeah um mine mine just leak out that you know it's like no matter how hard you tighten shit it's just that's why i leave that's what kind of started this art series is i mean the joke of it was you'd go out there and there'd be like a little 
puddle under each bike. And I was like, well, I can't fucking have this on the concrete. So I would put canvas down and that's what started this whole series behind me. Um, oh, nice. Elite can speak thing. But um, yeah, that was kind of, that was kind of a rant. Yeah. I think there are bikes out there that, that do do that. Yeah. That's what we need. We need the rants. That's what we're going for. All, or we're trying to go down these rabbit holes and just it's talk about all it's these little things. Day. So, so go into the elite could speak a little bit more. Um, yeah, that was just a another side hobby. Like I needed another one of those, <laughs> but um, that started in 2018, and I just laid canvas out on my floor uh, in my garage and uh, underneath all my motorcycles, and I would just let the oil leak out you know, and I'd step on it and it would end up with footprints and whatever else from working on bikes, WD-40. And um, then I would just paint pictures on there and what's looking around. I've got like Steve McQueen and, you know, whatever else. Yeah, would, would you be able to show us something close up? It's a little challenging yeah. to see. Sure. Especially with your listener on the podcast. <laughs> Here, how about this one? So just bring that in. Oh, cool. Okay. But, um, nice. What median is that? What did you paint that with? It's just a regular canvas, you know, nothing. It's like basically drop cloth canvas. Well, what did you, what did you paint? Uh, what's the paint? Um, I just use black enamel Rust-Oleum paint. Oh, wow. You know, I just outline whatever I want the image to look like and, uh, paint it. Nice. Mm. That looks great. I, I started it for myself and I've made 140 and for some reason, people people buy them. They like them. Oh, so that's great. It's unique and it's it goes. I mean, you always get the the kind of man caves and stuff, right? Where people have their garages and you know, if you ever yep. go into a nice garage, you always have artwork and other things. I know my uncle's got Porsche vintage Porsche racing posters all over his garage and other things. So yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean that's what I was going for. Kind of just something to hang on the walls that you know I liked and. Uh, Sure enough, other people kind of dug it. So that's great. Yeah. Mm. yeah that, that's around. such a neat concept. Like, even I would like, it's one of those creative things that like makes me really like, I don't know, like uh, impressed. Yeah. Really impressed with like, oh, never thought of that. Like, puts, you know, turn the leaks in your motorcycle into, into artwork and just kind of like, like the every you know it's not just the it's it's like a different sort of reflection of your labor on the bikes you know when it gets all the stuff on it and the footprints you know because of course the bikes themselves are going to be fixed and they're kind of like their own pieces of yeah. art but it's like it's 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 almost yeah it's like a different you know yeah it's it's a different reflection of the of the labor that that was put into it so that's really neat yeah no i mean that was kind of my idea um you know, on the backs of them, I write what bike leaked onto it just so I can remember mm. for myself and people yeah. kind of kick out of that. Uh, but, you know, they end up with tire tracks too, because I roll bikes in and out constantly. And, uh, mm. you know, it, it's, it's something I mold over for a while before starting it. And I was like, whatever, let's just do it. Mm. Yeah. Nice. No, it's been yeah. fun. I love it. I did great. show for a while with it. So could you could you plug uh, on the show here where where we can go see some of them? Is it just on your Instagram? Do you have another place? Instagram's really just been the only place I'm posting them. Um, but coming up in, I mean, they've been at galleries, but the next gallery is going to be Studio Hill in Woodbury, Connecticut. 
um, starting November, November 26th until I think sometime in January. But um, yeah, I'm gonna bring like three, three 24 by 32 pieces up there, so. Nice. Yeah, no, it's All a nice right. gallery. Mm. Right. Sounds like I need to get an Instagram. Have <laughs> <laughs> an Instagram? Yeah, you got it. That was me. I, I, I used to, you know, never share any of my stuff, and uh, yeah, I went to a show one time, and somebody's like, "Oh, what's your IG account?" I was like, "The fuck are you talking about?" <laughs> and I'm like, I, I was like, I don't know. I was like, "Is that like a cell phone number or something?" And yeah. they're like, you uh, got it on Instagram. I was like, all right. So yeah, I gave in like 10 years ago or whatever it was, eight years ago. Yeah. But yeah. yeah since I, I bought my car, I've been asked probably four or five times by people are like, oh, I love this car. Hey, what's your, what's your Instagram? I was like, I, I yeah. don't have one. Like, you don't have one? I was like, no, I just, I, I, you know, it's not, I don't know. For me, it's not a show car. I beat the crap out of it and stuff. And like, I don't, you know, I don't take pictures of my car ever, <laughs> but I don't know. It's just me. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it was a world I didn't really want to get into either, you know, because you yeah. always see people scrolling and clicking and, you know, it's all about the likes and it's like, just fucking go build stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. So that, that was my mindset for a while. And then I got into it and, uh, you know, takes you into a whole, whole new world. Yeah. Yeah. Level for I sure. didn't, Not I didn't have people. a, right. Yeah. I didn't have a smartphone until like 20, the end of 2015. So that is going to be six years ago now. Yeah. So I didn't have a smartphone for, you know, whatever half of my adulthood, you know, or more. Um, I didn't even have a cell phone until I was 17. So when, when people find out about that, they're like, what, what did you do? I was like, I was outside. I don't know. What it, you know. Yeah. You sound like oh. a 70 year old by saying like, you know, I was outside playing and making stuff, but right. they just weren't popular yeah no I was it wasn't until I was a sophomore in college um that I had a a cell phone that was I was 19 at the time yeah Yeah. I was eight I had one of those new Kia bricks because for real yeah yeah my parents got me Christmas because they uh they didn't want me running around without having like a a backup (laughs) place to call because I was out and doing stuff and I was never home and then yeah I come home like at crazy hours (laughs) of the night yeah. I know, but like it's so funny. <laughs> your parents are like your parents are so like like uh like free, you know, like free range kids kind of way, the way you've described them. Like, didn't your mom teach you stick, like how to drive stick? I was uh, also eight, yeah. When I was eight. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but then they want to give you a cell phone and be like, just call us in case you're incapacitated. Yeah. I would basically <laughs> leave it off unless I needed to use it, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. And that's all you can do with the Nokia's anyways. You can make a phone call. There's no text oh, or right. anything. Yeah. Right, right. Okay. They had that caterpillar game too, I think. Oh, snake. Yeah. Yeah, snake. Yeah. yeah. That's right. You're you're a line and the line eats a dot and it makes the line <laughs> bigger. <laughs> <laughs> so simplistic. So addictive. Yep. What a yep. stupid thing. <laughs> I wonder what part of our brains uh like gets i don't know it gets tingled when we when we do that stuff it it's it's very odd and it's like i mean did have people always done stuff like that you know throughout all of uh history you know it's hard to say yes what you got ball in a cup right well yeah that's true the cup you get the ball in it but yo-yos yeah Mm -hmm. true so how did you find your way to to spark cycle works oh man 
Um, so that goes back to the artwork. Um, All right, a story. Yes. Yeah, right. I love so, it. <laughs> story, yeah. Um, the route I would go from home to FedEx to drop off, you know, the ship for shipping. Um, I'd always pass by Spark, but their signs must have been so small that I didn't know what the hell it was. And I mean, you visited, it's in, you know, mm -hmm. an industrial area. Um, and being around here, there's quite a bit of that. So you don't really think twice about what's in the buildings. You're just like, oh, offices, you know, they look like they're from the 1970s. Who gives a shit? Mm -hmm. um, but one day, you know, I looked to the left and I saw a motorcycle out there. And I was like, I, from a distance, I was like, is that a Triumph? What the hell is it? So I pulled in and it was a Kawasaki KZ440. Um, mm -hmm. you know, nothing, nothing high up on my list, but I just wanted to find out as a peace of mind what the hell it was. And uh, their doors were open. And this was a March or April of um, 2021. So fairly recently. And uh, now I talked to Colin and Matt that day and I was just curious about what they were doing. And, you know, I had, I knew nothing about electric bikes. Um, I didn't even know they were a thing. Um, I'm way behind in modern life. Um, and they were just, they were so thorough with information and everything uh, that they, they kind of intrigued me. And, mm. and, you know, for somebody who's a, a diehard vintage motorcycle, you know, repair finder, whatever, um, I, I was pretty impressed with these bikes and Colin had sent me out on one of their bandits and those things, I mean, I don't know if you test rode one that day, but I did. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. they really get up and go. And I wasn't mm -hmm. expecting that at all. I, I mm -hmm. got on and I was doing that pedal assist thing with the throttle. And I was like, holy shit. I was like, I'm mm. really moving on this thing. And you never mm -hmm. expect that from something called a moped. You right. Know? Um, so, uh, yeah, no, I was talking to the owner, Matt, and one thing led to another, and I guess he was adding on to the team, and, you know, he, he liked my vintage uh, motorcycle background and some of the people I was connected with, so uh, he took me in, and, I mean, mm -hmm. they're really great people, you know, just yeah. really good friends now, and we have a great time in the shop, um, a lot of bullshit, a lot of, a lot of fun stuff, um, crazy-ass videos, um, and it's, and it's all genuine, you know, it's like, nothing's, nothing's put on for show or anything. It's just everyday shop life, you know, and it's, it's yeah. been a freaking blast. I think yeah. it's the most I've had outside of what I normally do. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. From the outside, I, though, you kind of look at some of their stuff and you're like, do these guys ever work? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes I'm watching the videos. I'm like, man, people are going to get the wrong impression here. But uh, no, I can say from an insider's uh, view, um, we, we do uh, put in a lot of work, um, a lot yeah. of after hours too. So there's a lot of fun during the day. And then there's, there's mm -hmm. a lot of hard work, um, making sure things get out on time and, you know, that people are satisfied with their bikes and doing repairs and stuff like that, you know, so. Right. I mean, Plus, at the end of the day, like that's kind of the way things have to be marketed, I guess, in the in the in the Instagram economy, if you will. Um, you know, you got to like show yourself like you have to have that that branding, I guess, if you will. You know, like, I mean, Spark Cycle Works. I mean, it could be any kind of group of people calling their calling their their uh, company Spark Cycle Works. But 
once you like understand you know the kind of um expression of the owners and like how that translates into the development and perception and marketing of the brand um you know that's what really really makes it and makes it attractive and actually i found spark because of i don't know a year ago maybe i was looking to buy an electric assist bicycle um and they had they had like the fold up i think the fold up one with the battery that was like in the seat yeah i I forgot what the name of it was but they were all sold out and i was like ah crap you know (laughs) but it was a cool it was such a cool concept like the battery is in in the um like in the frame basically so there's no external battery and this thing folds up and it was it was like all right this is super portable um but then then they really started to to really kind of transition into like more of the excuse me like the e-moped thing and that's become more of their their flagship thing is the bandit yeah yeah um they've been cutting i know they've been cutting back on the like the mountain bikes and the, the other stuff that they have because the main focus has been that electric moped. Um, I mean, that thing can rip up to like 45 miles an hour, you know? Yeah. No, like, that they should do that. It, it's amazing. I, you know, it's, yeah. it's like compared to other, you know, I'm still learning. Um, but compared to some of these other uh, e-bike companies that they talk about or e-moped, whatever, um, I mean, they're pretty high up there with, you know, technology and whatever, Mm -hmm. uh, in my opinion, at least from what I've I've heard through comparisons. Um, They're doing like the dual battery setup. That seems to be a huge hit with people. Oh, yeah. uh, They just did a cargo bike for somebody that's an Uber driver down the city, and it's got a triple battery on it and Mm. a whole cargo setup. And I mean, it's amazing. You know, everything Mm -hmm. is like, custom done and you know made for the customer you know it's 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 wild what they offer you know most people don't right. offer what what they're doing because it's like you don't want right. to get that involved yeah but, but no they, they take the risk and so far so good so yeah no i'm i've been impressed with their technology um yeah. for sure and it's it's like they i think they made it really um, clever and savvy move to go with the e-mopeds because I mean as the electric assist bicycles become more popular there's just going to be more people making them and it's like all right how can how can spark stand out from everybody else and yes there are people making the e-moped things um, there are people making electric motorcycles but those are stupid expensive and yeah. I think that like the development of like the, the, the e-moped or even, you know, even if they develop something, I guess I can say you, because you're part of the team, if you all develop something that's, you know, doesn't have the pedals anymore, um, yeah. would be kind of nifty. Um, that's, that's a big thing for me is after riding motorcycles and probably for you as well, you get so used to just having your stationary pedal, you know, your pegs, mm-hmm. um, so when I got on it, I was, I wasn't too keen about the pedals or the pedal mm-hmm. assist option. Um, I can see how it's helpful. You know, if you get stuck, you just pedal your way home instead of uh, right. pushing 400, 500, whatever pound bike. Um, but I, I do, I like to have pegs. I like to have a twist throttle, not just a thumb throttle. Right. Right. And uh, fortunately that's become an option now. I've put a lot Good. of, you know, twist throttles on these bikes. Um, nice. 
but yeah, definitely pegs versus uh, pedals. I'd, I'd, I'd like to see that mm. um, in the, in the sooner rather than later. Let's just say. Yeah. Have you ridden an electric motorcycle? Not yet. Not yet. Okay. Um, I, I like to get, um, I like to get on a cake. That would be, a, Oh yeah. Um, I'm not too keen about the, uh, Harley live wire. No, um, not sure how I, that's gonna. Yeah. I, I have no interest yeah. there. Um, right. I'm, I'm with you on that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, sure. Give me anything, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a shot. Mm -hmm. Um, but again, still, I'm still learning about it. You know, it's, it's all still, it's so new to so many people. I mean, it's been out there for a while, mm -hmm. but it, it's, it's just coming, you know, in, into light now, I, I would say. I was just in New yeah. York City today and uh, the amount of people you'd see driving by on these electric bikes, it's, it's wild, mm -hmm. dangerous, but also, um, you know, it's like every freaking city bike's got a, you know, battery on it now. Mm -hmm. so yeah no i i mean electric motorcycles uh like if and when you ever hop on one like they they're very torquey like I, I i i've ridden it one ridden one once and i was very like cautious on the on the roll throttle because like if you just like wide open throttle all of a sudden like it'll really take off um and that was a little that was a little odd um mm -hmm. i don't know if it was so much like the actual torque or like the the unpredictability, I guess, because, you know, you can really like feel like you can, you can sense the bike a little bit more with the engine because you're getting that kinesthetic feedback, you know, from, from the seat and, and the, the sound and everything. Whereas like with an electric bike, you twist the throttle, there's no increase in vibration, you know, it's just like, and you just like go. And it's, I, maybe that was the, the kind of nerve wracking part of it. I don't know. Um, I don't know if it's like more or less torquey, but it certainly felt very, very torquey at the time. And, and um, it was, it was, it was an experience, but, but yeah, I'm glad that, um, that the twist throttle is, is becoming more of a thing with at Spark. Yeah. Like I said, me too, because, you know, the thumb throttle, I, I ride snowmobiles too, which I'm used to, you know, the thumb throttle in that sense, but on a motorcycle, it's like, you're just so used to going like, you know, like that mm -hmm. or whatever. Just right to do the thumb thing it just wasn't the same feeling you know right it, it's no i, I guess a, a good way to put it is like you know everybody knows a, a moped is not as cool as a motorcycle all right mm -hmm. so to make it kind of feel a little bit more like a motorcycle you got to give it a th twist throttle you got to give it mm -hmm. something like you know a little more badass yeah right right yeah make it feel less like a bicycle exactly yeah uh, um, yeah, I think also it, like what you, what you just said reminds me, it's almost like the twist throttle makes, makes it more, makes the motor more of more a part of the machine rather than just like an add on, you know, like the thumb thing, it's, it's kind of just like a little, a, it's a little appendage, like a little appendix, you know, just chilling out on the handlebars. Like maybe it's not even supposed to be there. It's just like a little add on to this bicycle, whereas the twist throttle, you know, gives it that you know, really integrates with the machine so that it makes it part of it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I totally, I totally agree. And uh, I, I just remember when I first wrote it, I was kind of, you know, like eh, thumb throttle, you know, but um, yeah, 
No, I'm, I'm glad they're, I'm glad Spark is moving in the direction that they, uh, they are now. Mm. You know, a lot of custom stuff. Um, are you familiar with the, the one moto show in Portland, Oregon? Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm sorry. You cut out a little. Oh no, I, I went, I was there in uh, February of 2020. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Um, yeah. I want to try to replicate something like that in Hartford. Um, yeah. And you know, I, I'm, I'm always recruiting. We're always, I'm always hiring people to, uh, work for zero dollars to uh do crazy things <laughs> that i want to do all right like like chaz chaz is one of those people he 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 does it for the love, um, love right so well, chaz is the car guy between us so we, we do cars and motorcycles on the podcast and chaz is the car guy i'm the the motorbike guy so as far as cars um, go, i mean i i've all i've got a 1931 model a oh um, wow I got a 1954 Kaiser Special and a 1959 Ford Thunderbird. So nice. That's what that's what I've got for cars and a, and a Jeep Wrangler. So I have a nice. 2016 F Type S convertible Jaguar, and I okay. have a Hyundai Tucson Sport. <laughs> <laughs> Good contrast. Yeah. Um, did that Jaguar give you uh, any headaches? Did you did you uh, repair do any restoration to it or anything? No, no, it was, um, you know, I bought it, it had 30,000 miles on it. And uh, now it's got like 65,000 on it. It oh. uh, just ran out of warranty a couple months ago. But, uh, you know, knock on wood, hasn't had an issue, had a differential leak at one point it was, you know, fairly easy fix when it was under warranty. So it didn't cost me anything. But uh, yeah, fingers crossed. I've taken it to the track a few times and Sweet. will continue to do so. Um, but it's not like it's not the car I raced. It's just a uh, it's a car I do track days with when I instruct out there. Nice, nice. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't race any of my my cars. So. Yeah. But, you know, with the with the Model A, you kind of just hope it makes it up the hill. Yeah. <laughs> do you have to like turn start it in the front? No. Like crank start it? No, not with that one. No. Oh, okay. How does uh, how does that one start? With a key. Okay. <laughs> Well, I don't know. I never know. I would, I would have thought it had like a yeah. starter like that. Yeah. yeah. Key and then uh, you choke it from the inside, mm. basically where your, where your dashboard would be, or not your dashboard, your uh, glove compartment for a normal mm. normal car. Oh, okay. Is that like a change from what it is stock, or were they like that in the '30s? As far as I know, it's what they were like in the '30s. Uh, it was my dad's truck in the '70s, and uh, I kind of inherited it. So uh, that was actually the first car I learned on was a 1931 oh. Ford really? Model. Yeah. And then, that, and then after that, um, to a 1981 BMW, I'm not, I'm not good with my BMW cars here and BMW fanatics are going to kill me for not knowing the model, but it was, I just know it was a 1981 something. Okay. And, uh, after that it was Volkswagens and Jeeps. So nice. That's the extent of my car, my car life. It's all right. It's all right. <laughs> Just like Kyle and I, you know, we don't really do both. We were kind of one of the other pigeonholes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had, I, bikes. Really have... I had bikes, but I never, you know, never did much with them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I have cars, but only for like utility purposes. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, someday I would love to have some like nice cars, um, you know, I was thinking the other day, like, cause it's so nice with the foliage and everything this, this time of year. I'm like, dang, I really want like a convertible, like 
Jaguar. Uh, you know, sedan. Yeah, I would love a yes, I would love a convertible Jaguar F type, uh, like Chaz has. Um, but like, a, a, like with more seats, uh, you know, so I can take the whole fam out on the uh, twisty roads on a, a nice Sunday autumn afternoon. Um, yeah. But um, someday, so I need a I need to buy a house before I can acquire more vehicles. Um, <laughs> and there are many, there are multiple reasons for that. Important, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So most number one is I don't have enough room for more vehicles. <laughs> that's always that's always a killer. Right now I, I'm I'm putting on an addition uh, for the garage because it's just too many, too many bikes. Mm. How many bikes do you you well? So you have what? It was like four or five cars and then bikes. Yeah. Yeah. And I like everything. Everything's got to be sheltered. I, I won't leave anything outside. So yeah. um, you know I got to make room for you know. Six cars and uh, 27 motorcycles. Jeez. Yeah. All right. I know. Um, What is that on your sweatshirt, Brother Moto? Oh, yeah. It says Brother Moto 1984. What is that? That's Jared. He started the brand Brother Moto, and uh, they're down in Atlanta, Georgia. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've heard of it. Uh, I've heard Brother Moto. It seems it sounded familiar, but... I had forgotten yeah. what, what they're all about. Great brand. He he does he he does a lot of rad stuff. He he used to be a do-it-yourself garage, and um, we connected through my paintings. And you know, very nice guy. And mm. uh, I think he he lines up a lot of races and um, moto meet nights and whatever else down there. So yeah, mm. no, he, great character, great guy. Okay. Yeah. Oh. But, yeah, if you ever did anything like the one moto over in Hartford, like you mm-hmm. were saying, I think that'd be a great idea. Um, yeah, for sure. I will. I'll. I'll let you know. I would like to to do that. I mean, I think there's enough time to organize something like that um, between now and February. I mean, it's really just finding a space to rent for a day. Yep. I mean, Hartford is uh, not very expensive, thankfully. <laughs> you know, we've got low rent compared to. lot of other places so renting a space for a day shouldn't cost too much and you know it's really just about getting the word out getting some bikes in to to show and uh you know buying some event insurance and making it happen i think i think you'd get um you you would do very well there i think with with a with a show like that because i i just know going out to the one moto there were so many people that i traveled with from the east coast to portland oregon Mm. and uh you know, it, it's something I even mentioned to spark because they were taking electric bikes out there, mm. not, Spark, but you know, like they were accepting, mm. um, electric submissions and, uh, you know, it was a great show I'm hundreds of people, thousands of people. I don't know. Um, but you had art vendors, you had incredible one-off builds by, you know, so many people, um, mm-hmm. Some that come to mind is uh, Nova Motorcycles up in Turner's Falls, Madhouse Motors in Boston. Just mm-hmm. crazy, wild, fabricated shit that mm-hmm. be on show, you know, in a museum. Unbelievable yeah. stuff. I think the holy grail of, of, of bikes at a show, to me at least, is to have a, a Walt Siegel motorcycle. Oh, yeah. yeah. Those are just cool. like, like outstandingly gorgeous. Yeah. motorcycles yeah. that, funny, that he, he builds that but, and uh craig rodsmith too 
Okay, he sounds familiar, but I don't know. I might have seen in some of his work a while back, but I can't remember it. Yeah, I'll, I'll send uh, I'll send a link or, or something. But um, yeah, check him out. He's he's in um Chicago. Okay. Um. Yeah. No. As far as local people, I mean, I can think of hundreds that would yep. would love to attend something like okay. that. That's, you know, New England based instead of flying west coast during the winter, where right. you don't know if it's going to take off from Bradley or JFK on time. Right. So. Exactly. And it's, I think, um, I, I mean, I once heard somebody make a really good point is that like the one motor show is like perfectly timed because it's like, well, even in Portland, it gets super cold and rainy, maybe not snowy, but you know, people aren't riding their motorcycles as much. And this is an event to really bring the community together and do a motorcycle themed thing, yeah. uh, in the off season. Yeah, no, and I, I think we would probably have better weather here because when I was out there, it was total shit. It was, oh, no. uh, it was five, I was out there for five, six days, and it was just rain every mm. day, cold, yeah. wet, and nasty. And it was like you were just walking around. Uh, they had it at the Veterans Memorial Coliseum. It, I mean, a huge space, indoor track, and everything, but mm. you can only be around fumes for so long before you're just like, oh, yeah. I may as well go like die in the parking lot. So, <laughs> you know, it, it was, it was, it was, it was fun, but it was also pretty rough. But yeah. 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 No, yeah. For sure. Did, uh, would you call it two moto? Would that be your name? <laughs> two moto. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. We'll have to come up with a clever name. Cause I, I, I want the moto one. Yeah. I, we can't rip it off too much, you know, then it, then we just look like posers. It's got to be something a little more you get their support but um yeah i will hit you up uh once i yeah. uh kind of once i scope out some venues um just coincidentally i'm going to be at a place that might have some open space on like thursday or friday um and yeah taryn thank you so much for being responsive uh on the messages um yeah, yeah tell tell those goobers down at spark to like get back to me because Together. Oh, so yeah for real what did you reach out to them oh yeah like many times like five <laughs> times at least you know five six times like hey you want to schedule that interview i get like a thumbs up and then it's like all right when do you want to do it we record on tuesdays no <laughs> response was it, is, like, it through, on, guys. is it through instagram. instagram instagram or yeah. email sometimes they're, they're they're better with um email or straight up calling um, okay. What I've noticed as far as mm. Instagram goes, it's, it's a lot of, um, they're, they're really all about like the media and, and pushing the videos mm. and the clips and everything. So they, they don't do a lot. S same with YouTube. Um, mm. they won't respond much on YouTube, but you know, when it comes to phone call, I'm, they, they really are personable guys. Um, oh, I, yeah, like, no, I know, I know. I, I don't like most people and I, I dig these guys, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, give them a phone call or, you know, I'll, when I see them, um, whether it be this week or next week, you know, I'll, I'll let them know. Okay. But, uh, yeah. yeah. No, I'm just, I, would, I, just, I would just tease them about it and yank their chain. I wouldn't actually get kind of, I wouldn't get all poopy about it. No, they're, 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 they're good. They're, they're, oh, uh, language. Come on. What? So watch your language. I know. <laughs> oh, you know what I need to do is I need to just bring my, my, my microphone and like podcasting stuff down to spark and be like, all right, guys. Right now, we're sitting down having an interview. There you go. Yeah, you know what that that too. I mean, we actually um, not to drag this on. I know it's been like an hour or so, but um, they remodeled the whole 
facility. So they, there's actually mm -hmm. separate areas now for working and there's desks set up for, you know, the six of us and uh, they've got a media room. So, you know, nice. really any, come on down, you know, it, it, mm -hmm. that might just be the way to go, you know? Yeah. yeah we'll and see. It, so, yeah. Oh. And I'm remote, so I can be anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I'm stoked for this uh, New England One Moto show. I'm going to start promoting it before you even start it. <laughs> there you I'm go. Be, sure. I'm like the Northeast. We've got a One Moto show coming. It's like yeah, Taryn with her with her uh, leaks that speak, right? She didn't just screw around with it. She's like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to do it, right? And that's but, what you yeah. do. Stop talking about it and just do it. <laughs> Jump in and do yeah. it. And their family, you know yeah right yeah I, I i will certainly uh ask your help uh when it comes to like logistical planning taryn because i have no idea i like i i could look at a space and be like uh yeah i think we'll fit 60 bikes in here and then you could look at it and be like no that'll only fit 40 you know yeah. like I, I i just can't make those judgments necessarily I, I, so i would love to help I would love okay. to lend, uh, lend a hand any way I can because I think I think it's important to um, to to show off this stuff while people are you know still able to or right, have the interest sure. because uh, people like myself collecting these old bikes and working on them I, I really see it. it's a dying breed you know you really mm -hmm. don't have um, too many of us uh, still still kicking I guess and if you help you can have your uh, try hard. Um award that you were talking about right the, the yes. one missing. oh yeah the hardest trier award i i think i yeah. i really think that's something that's got to exist you know in in lemons racing they have that i forget what they call it it's something like the um like the last resort i can't remember what they what they call the award but it's basically like um like when i was doing the race the car across from us they blew up their motor on the first day and then they stayed overnight literally like 12 hours to take the motor out put a new one in and then they raced the second day and they came somewhere in the middle of the pack but they won the award for you know most spirit or whatever you want to call it i i mean and that's i mean to me that's better than just polishing a bike and being like hey you got first place for a nice pretty bike it's like yeah but what about the dude or the woman over there that put in 10 extra hours to make sure the car or bike was running the next day and on the track and ready to go, you know, mm -hmm. and all they do is get a round of applause and a, Hey, put your car back on the trailer. You know, yeah. it's, it's like, Oh, it, it needs to be done for sure. Yeah. There needs to be the, or like the best backstory. I love stuff like that. Somebody yeah. like, Oh, this bike was my dad's and then he died. And then, you know, all this yeah. stuff like, yeah, for sure. No, I, I, I agree a hundred percent. Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited for this. Can't wait. <laughs> All right. <laughs> now I have to make it happen. I know. Now now it's like Taryn's going to keep me accountable. Like, you know, no. by Friday, she's going to be texting me and be like, did you find a venue yet? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I will. I will. All right. No, Every you're... you're you know, you you holding me to it will be encouraging, as a matter of fact, because it's like, all right, someone else is is is, is, a, is as enthusiastic about it as I am. Oh yeah, no, I love these shows, and I and I love meeting new people, and um, you know, I I think meeting people face to face and showing off your work, I think that's so much more important important than just being a face on Instagram or social media or whatever. You know, meeting mm -hmm. people in person and just give them a high five, and you know trophies and stuff like that that's uh it means a lot so yeah that's what keeps it going 
yeah. sure. All right, everybody. That has been another episode of the Petrol Head Podcast. We want to say uh, thank you so much to Taryn Nysik for taking the time to chat with us today. It's been a real pleasure. We hope to get together in person soon to uh, promote the, the way of the moto. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. Um, and give me in touch about the one, the one moto on the East Coast or whatever you're going to call it. And uh, yeah, hopefully meet up. We'll do something at Spark or wherever. And uh, yeah. All right, all you cool cats and kittens. Stay cool out there. Start dress warmly. Go see some foliage. It is autumn in New England. This is Kyle. We'll catch you next time. This is Chaz Logue. Speed safely. And that's it. That's it. So, I, don't, I don't say let's turn this COVID into Novid anymore. Yeah. <laughs> get, get your shot. We'll turn this COVID into Novid, everybody. Um, i've heard that one yet oh we need to do the intro that's right yeah the intro yeah go ahead